You're listening to the Fairfax Bible Church Discipleship Podcast, where we aim to help our church think biblically and grow as disciples who love Christ and live sent for His glory. For more information about our church, visit www.fairfaxbible.org or follow us on social media. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome to the Fairfax Bible Church Discipleship Podcast. My name is Chris Murphy, and I will be your host this week. I'm joined here by my friend, Adrian. Would you like to introduce yourself, Adrian? Oh, yes. Well, uh, thank you so much for having me. I've never done one of these before, so this is really exciting. Uh, So my name is Adrian uh, Zhang. I've been with Fairfax Bible Church for four years now. I think. Um, and yeah, it's been this year, it's been really uh, quite an adventure, just, you know, uh, doing virtual services. So I hope everyone's doing well and happy new year. Great. So I know if you've been tuning into the previous podcast, we're doing something a little bit different today. We don't necessarily have a specific topic. Instead, what we're going to do is take a little time, talk to Adrian and hear how God has worked in his life um, throughout the years. And so this is is a really awesome chance to get to hear Adrian's testimony. Um, So my goal will be um, to allow Adrian to do 99% of the talking, which is for those who know me, a pretty big feat to stay quiet a long time, but I'm going to do my best just to, to kind of facilitate. But um, I do want to introduce Adrian. You know, I, I, I have the privilege of meeting Adrian a couple years ago. And actually we met, of course, through his now wife, Jeannie, um, who I was working really closely with as part of the kids ministry. And I remember when she said that she uh, she wasn't moving, like, because my fear was she was going to get married and leave us. Um, and I, little yeah. did I know actually we were really lucky because like instead we were getting this like triple a recruit up to our community rather than losing someone that we we loved and love working with so <laughs> that was that was pretty awesome um, i made the right move yes we we think so <laughs> so um also i want to i'll share one other quick story just to kind of set the stage for adrian um you know maybe some of you have, would have heard this if you know him but um adrian and myself and a, f- a few other guys were part of this ragnar team relay race a couple years back and if you don't know about this it's it's really like this grueling multi-day relay that's out in the woods um and i don't know how this happened but adrian had the unfortunate um kind of luck to have the short end of the straw and 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 had to run the last leg which was this final morning, you know, we were all really tired, pretty much done with this event. It had been raining. We were wet camping outside. I mean, it was like, we just want to go home basically at that point. So, you know, everyone kind of figured Adrian was going to be dragging just like the rest of us. You know, he'd probably finish his leg a little bit slowly, probably not like his top speed. Um, And but instead, it was this crazy thing. If, if you know that story in Second Samuel with Ahimaaz, where it's like, you know, the watchmen are on the tower, and it's like, all of a sudden, we look up, and there's this man that looks like Adrian running, running out of the woods, sprinting. And, and it was just this amazing thing, because the whole team, like, looks up in shock. And then we, like, all erupt, of course. And then we join him and run excitedly across the finish line. And, you know, I just share this story because, um, you know, this picture of a man that's running the race with like pure dedication and perseverance, but then doing it with like a smile on his face and such a joy and the encouragement that that brings to his brothers and sisters around him. To me, that's like, that's Adrian right there. So I I think you're, you're really going to enjoy kind of hearing more about his life um, because I know it's been an encouragement to me over the last over the last couple of years. Oh, that's, that's quite an introduction, Chris. Um, I, I do remember that experience. 
I think what really motivated me to run was just, I want some sleep. I just remember not <laughs> sleeping at all uh, because it was cold, it was wet. And yeah, I was like, I just, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> It, it, you could just stick with the, the story from my perspective that you were doing it to motivate your teammates <laughs> and, you know, that. just to run with run the race and in the race that fight the good <laughs> fight type of thing. But so, OK, so that's enough for me. Now, let me I'm going to turn it over to you. So my first question for you, and these are big questions, so you, you can take some time going through them. But what was your life like before Christ? Um, I, I think it's appropriate to start from the beginning. Um, so I was born and raised in China. And you know, it was really funny thinking back about my time, you know, growing up in China, my formative years, if you'll say, uh, it feels like, you know, someone watching TV and looking at someone else's life and, and it's this life that's completely relatable. And sometimes I think back, you know, my early years, which is like, it just, just doesn't seem like I lived that life. Um, you know, we, we grew up in, in the 90s. My parents were uh, both in college. Uh, so they were the first to go to college, you know, from both their families. And, you know, China was still very poor. We were very, very poor. I, I remember my first memory was, uh, my parents, uh, we, ha we actually lived in a dorm, in a student dorm on campus. So when, when they had me, I, I, was, I actually lived in a dorm with them, <laughs> with just thousands and thousands of students sharing this you know, common space. And then later on, um, my dad went on and started his uh, master's and PhD program and he was away in Beijing. And my mom was doing her master's on campus. And we eventually moved to another apartment that was owned by the university. And uh, so my dad was gone most of my early childhood. My mom was, you know, busy from morning to night. She had classes, she, had, uh, she, she actually taught classes. So from a very early age, I, I kind of became kind of a lone wolf and I, I'm kind of raising myself from the age of three, you know, my, where my parents were gone. Uh, sometimes one of my preschool teachers would take me home and feed me. Sometimes they didn't. I just kind of waited until my parents got back or my mom. Um, so that, that went on for years. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, that experience really kind of fo formed in me just this sense of solitude and just I, I don't particularly enjoy people that sounds really bad uh, I do now but for a long time I was just uh, very very shy you know uh, I didn't know how to interact um, with other people and I had trouble making friends um, so yeah so that, you know that was one aspect of my childhood but I also, you know, growing up in China, I, I think it was this very performance-driven, you know, culture, especially for elementary kids. I remember, and we had homework in the summer, and we would have, you know, homework and, and you know, books and books of, you know, homework. And then the start of the semester, we would take one day where the teachers lay out all the homework from, you know, the best grades, and they would display it for all the school to see. It's like this gallery of 
you know, top students, you know, with who made top marks on the summer homework. <laughs> so, you know, that, you know, just having this idea that my worth and my value is, you know, how I perform academically, yeah. if I bring honor to my family. So um, when I first came to the States and uh, at the age of 10, you know, I, I think it was just a mixture of intimidation. I was like, I, I didn't know the language. I didn't know many of the subjects. Um, so I think there was a lot of pressure. It's like, mm. so I, I still want to do well, but I felt like I was held back you know, because I didn't speak the language. Um, but I was, I was also really fascinated. Just, you know, I was in a new environment. Um, you know, everyone looked different. Um, and they treated me differently too. My teachers were really nice to me. Uh, they even got me a, uh, English tutor. So I spent my first year in school, um, every day during reading, I would just, you know, go to the little classroom and this teacher, and she would spend, you know, an hour or two teaching me English. So, um, I think during that time I was exposed to Christianity, but you know, one being young to not knowing the language, I didn't really know what Christianity was. Because when you were in China, there were there was no exposure to Christianity. Right. You know, it, it, you know the everywhere I went, it was just you know picture of Mao. You know, there was no organized religion. I, I, you know, even if there were, I definitely didn't see it. No one ever talked about it. You know, it's just the sense of you, you know you're your own man. And um, you believe in yourself. You believe that you know only you can make your you know life better in this world. So um, yeah, that was my first exposure, and I think it was three or four years later till I kind of start understand what Christianity was about. You know, when my parents and I moved to the states, we lived in Utah for a year. Um, you know, I, I was exposed to uh, Mormonism and th there. And then shortly after we moved to Oklahoma, so you know this like <laughs> buckle of the Bible Belt. Um, so I, I remember some of my parents' friends, uh, you know, coworkers. Uh, they invited us to church, uh, and I remember going. A lot of my classmates. It was a really small town of you know twenty four thousand people, and many of my classmates were there. Um, and I, I don't remember much of that experience being in church, but I do remember feeling extremely awkward and left out. You know, I didn't know, you know, any of the songs and, you know, when, when they asked us to turn to a certain book in the Bible, it's like, I, I don't know where it is. And it was just really embarrassing to have someone to show me what to do. So that wasn't, I, I would say it was a very positive experience for me. I, I just remember I just didn't want to go back. But what did stand out, you know, stand out to me was the youth pastor. His name is Mike. Um, after he met me, uh, every week he would call call our house and you know remind me, hey, we have youth group Sunday Sunday morning. Hope you can come. You know, we love to have you. And then throughout the years, you know, uh, you know I, of course, I, I lost interest in church from the get-go. So I, I don't want to be part of this. I don't know what this is about. You know, religion just sounds ridiculous. You know, like uh, it's like this thing that 
probably doesn't even exist. Um, but I do remember Mike, would, he was very persistent. He would call every, every Saturday night without fail. I would get a call from him. My parents were like, oh, it's Mike. He wants to talk to you. Um, and later on, he would, you know, start coming to the house on Saturday, just, you know, checking up on my parents and also just checking up on me. And I'll, I remember later on when I st started driving, I would leave the house and just make sure that I wasn't there. Um, and your parents were fine. They didn't, they were totally cool with it. They didn't, they weren't like anti the religion or anything necessarily. They, just... they weren't. And I, I think the biggest reason of the, um, for that was, um, so fifth grade, my mom uh, was diagnosed with cancer. This was mm -hmm. only two years after we came to the States. And um, she had been exposed to Christianity pretty heavily when she, we lived in Utah and there was a group of uh, Christian um, that shared the gospel with her. And when we moved to Oklahoma, she found this church and people continue to pour into her. I do remember very vividly the day she came back from the hospital when she got the news that she had breast cancer. She got on the ground. She asked my dad and me to get on the ground and pray with her. Uh, I felt ridiculous. And I, I don't know what she's doing, but I, I do remember her crying, but she... But I remember her saying, I commit my life to the Lord. Oh, wow. So right there, just came home, got the news and prayed with the family. Wow. And prayed with the family. You know, my dad, uh, you know, I, I don't know what, you know, what he thought. He's still not a Christian today. But um, yeah, I, I do remember her committing her life to Christ that day. And so she, I, I think she really wanted it. She, uh, she really wanted Mike to be persistent. And, you know, she was a big part of my, you know, childhood as well into my teenage years. You know, she would, you know, share the gospel with me, share parts of the Bible with me. Um, but I, I wasn't interested, you know, I think partly because, you know, a lot of my classmates, you know, they, they grew up in the church, but I always felt like an outsider. I just didn't fit in. And, and partly because I was. And mm -hmm. there weren't any other, you know, Chinese kids in school. So, you know, I, I got picked on. You know, I, I felt, you know, very insecure. And, you know, I, and I just didn't really enjoy people that much back then. <laughs> and I think it's like, well, you know, if they act this way, you know, if they really believe that, you know, Christianity teaches people to be nice, but they're not nice, then what is the point of religion? I, I, so I think in, into my teenage years, I kind of developed this kind of a uh, antagonistic, you know, mentality towards Christianity. It's like, you know, it's, it's all a hoax. Um, but, you know, the, looking back, you know, there was still a lot of moments and a lot of people that God put into my life that share the gospel with me, not just my mom and Mike, but other people as well. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. It seems like there's some really good nuggets there for, um, for all of us in the body. You know, I, I, I that yeah. was really interesting what you're saying. Um, you know, in terms of how you're received and, you know, what your experience was as a total outsider coming into the church. And I think sometimes we forget people are like that because for those of us who are raised kind of in this American, you know, even if it's like more of a pseudo Christian culture for some people, it's still enough that like they have some exposure to what Christianity is supposed to be about if yeah. they've kind of been raised here. And so 
like we can forget very easily that that can be very off-putting and very uncomfortable for people who really don't know. And we probably actually give more people uh, credit than they, you know, in terms of what they know than probably most people, even just people who grew up in America do. And um, yeah, that's some really, really good insight for us. Um, so switching gears are just kind of moving it forward a little bit. Um, okay, so so your, your youth pastor or this youth pastor, it's not really your youth pastor even, I guess he's been pouring into you, which is amazing. Uh, I think, I, you know, I was a youth pastor and I remember like wishing that I had the, the, um, the dedication to be like calling some of these students every week and like staying on them. And especially when they start blowing you off, you know, yeah. and they, it's clearly like they're not interested, but, but, but what happened next? Like how, how did this move you towards, um, you know, eventually coming to faith? Yeah. Um, so, you know, high school was definitely, um, kind of a pivotal moment for me. Um, I think kind of building up to a climax. Um, you know, I, I had a close group of friends and you know, I, I started to excel in, you know, my coursework. And I, I think again, just going back to that performance mentality, just mm -hmm. I need to prove my worth. You know, it, it didn't really help that we also kind of lived in kind of a bubble community of, you know, mostly, you know, Chinese that really, you know, valued uh, achievement. So in high school, I, you know, I, I started to excel in, you know, my academics and then, you know, arts. And then you know, I thought, oh, maybe people will give me more respect if I did athletics. So I started wrestling and I excelled at that as well. But all the while, it was just like everything that I achieved, it just left me feeling empty. Mm -hmm. I remember that kind of culminated in a, you know, just about the depression in my senior year. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we had the award ceremony for outstanding seniors. And I, I think I sweep, you know, all the awards and all the scholarships. I applied to all these schools um, and I got accepted. But I just remember just, I, I, I'm just, I was exhausted. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really enjoy doing anything anymore. I spent most of my weekends, you know, just being away from home, just driving through the country, you know. The countryside of Oklahoma, and not even knowing <laughs> for hours on end, just maybe hoping to just get away. You weren't like riding riding a horse and have your boots. I, I think that would have helped. That <laughs> yeah. been kind of like therapeutic, probably. That would have been know? very therapeutic. Yeah. But I was, you know, I just drove, and you know, it, it, it was a dark time in my life. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to college, you know, the prospect of going to college, um, you know we looked at, you know, all the schools I applied and my mom had a lot of medical bills, you know, back then it just didn't work out for me to go out of state. So I ended up going to my safety school, which was Oklahoma. And I just remember thinking, like, I, this is not fair. I don't want to go there. Like none of my friends are there. Um, and so I, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I don't know who I was going to meet. Um, so I, I wasn't really excited. I remember check-in day, um, being on campus, like 10 minutes into, into it, I, I just remember looking around at all the people. Like, wow, everyone looked like they're excited to be here. I'm not excited to be here. I made a big mistake. And I think just and, uh, right there and then, this group of uh, you know guys, um, they had these yellow shirts on. <laughs> so asking me about BSU. 
I was like, I'm not going to ask. <laughs> like, I don't want to It's the last thing I'm going to do. Yeah. But there were upper, upperclassmen I found out and they're like, Hey, can we help you move your stuff in? I was like, yeah, you know, of course, you know, I, I, my dorm was on the 12th floor, <laughs> all the elevators were taken. And so they're like, no problem. So they carried all my stuff and my furniture just up the stairs, you know, 12 flights. I was like, wow. So, uh, you know, they moved me into my room and they told me, Oh, we're with the Baptist student union. Uh, we have a pizza bash uh, on Monday. Um, you know, you should definitely come, you know, uh, meet, you know, some other students. Uh, I, I just remember, I was like, sure. Okay. Yeah. I, I, no, no good salvation story is, is, is said without food at the center somewhere, pizza, like initiating yeah. it. Yeah, pizza. Yeah. Thank God, you know, use pizza to save many minutes. <laughs> um, and I just remember that weekend I, I instead of going out and doing all these you know activities that uh, you know school hosted i stayed in my dorm and i read you know novels and my textbook it was it sounds really lame and because it is i just didn't <laughs> want to go out and meet new people I, I was kind of depressed i was like man i, I really don't want to be here and then on monday i went to the class and uh and at night i remember like i, I completely forgot about the pizza bash and i was going to get some dinner and then, you know, these, uh, I went down and took the elevator and there was just a group of students there. They're like, um, and one of the, one of the people that moved me in, um, he saw me, he's like, Hey, you coming to the pizza bash? I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> so, yeah. And we walked all the way across campus and it was great. And you know, I, I loved it. There were a lot of students there. I got to meet, you know, it, it was actually really fun. I had a good time, but I met two people there. Um, uh, um, one guy's name is Alex, Alex Miller, and the other guy's name is David Wooster. So in the coming days, they, you know, they would just show up my, show up in my dorm and my door just asking like, you know, did they would knock on the door and say, Hey, how are you doing? I was like, good, I guess. Uh, like, what are you doing here? And I just want to, you know, check on you. And, um, they introduced me to some of the upperclassmen living in the dorm. Um, but they always came and I, I was kind of weirded out. I was like, man, it's like this guy's like 40 years old. You know, <laughs> why does he keep coming to knock on my door? Just, you know, get away from me already. Um, but it, it was really great to connect me with, you know, the upperclassmen. They were really cool. You know, they would come and say, hey, you, you want, we're playing, you know, playing video games, uh, you know, or we're going to dinner. You want to come? So over time, you know, I, like I, I grew close to them, you know, cautiously. But, you know, I, I really started to like them. You know, we, we did homework together. We watched movies and, you know, they always came and checked on me and Alex and uh, David, you know, they would pop in and you know, check on me. And, you know, I, I found out that they were all in the Baptist Union. Um, and what was really remarkable is I, I, you know, I found out they were all from different backgrounds, just like me. You know, some of them, you know, came from very broken backgrounds. And I, and I saw the way they studied, you know, they, they were, you know, very hardworking, um, but they, they just had this joy that I, I've never experienced. Uh, they had this, you know, they were really genuine down to earth. They weren't, they were very open. They weren't afraid to talk about hard things and they shared the gospel with me and they were absolutely okay with the fact that I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't believe they, you know, but they still cared enough to share, but they just slept on me. Uh, you know, we had fun. Um, but I, I found myself being just like wanting that 
hope, that joy that they had. It's like, uh, I think deep inside, I was still really depressed because I didn't know what kind of person I want to be in college. The next four years, I, I didn't know what that's going to look like. Um, and then they started inviting me to you know, the, their campus uh, meeting, which is called Paradigm in the student union every Thursday. Uh, you know, uh, they had different messages. Um, I used to show up really late and leave early just so I didn't have to talk to people. But I just kept going back. There was something that, that drew me to the message of the gospel. Did you ever see your picture on the wall? Because clearly like this group had pegged you like as a target. I feel like it's like number one, like target for conversion here. I saw my picture, but I I did find out later on uh, talking to some of the upperclassmen. Like, oh yeah, we prayed for you big time. That first (laughs) they will pray for me every day. Well, I mean, I'm already trying to count, like going back to even when you first got to Oklahoma with your mom and her, obviously um, her, her, her like interacting with, with Christians, like how many people, people came along and watered that seed. Like it's like six or seven people and like, they're all relatively small roles. It seems like, but it's like building, building. I even remember, you know, back in high school, I went on this uh, random trip to Chicago by myself and there was a refrigerator salesman that sat next to me, shared the gospel <laughs> with me and prayed for me while I was on the plane. I had nowhere else to go. So, you know, I guess get part of the credit. You were too young to need to buy a refrigerator, I guess. Right. So that was a nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice guy. But yeah, you know, I kept going back and um, I, I think I, I started to understand what the gospel meant. It wasn't just a way for us to be better people, but it was, it, it felt liberating, you know, knowing that I was made for a purpose. And it wasn't to just be the best person that I can be and make the best grades. But God created me to glorify him. And that, and without Christ, I, I can never do anything worthwhile. But because of him, you know, I'm able to live my life with a purpose. Um, and it's not to stop what I'm doing. Uh, it's not to stop being a good student or a good son a good co-worker, but it's, it's to be able to bring him glory in you know, everything that I do. So it's not about myself anymore. And that was just really, uh, I thought that was a really powerful moment in my life. When I realized that's what the gospel, you know, is. It frees us from looking inward and, and, and only seeing that this life is all we have but that God created us for, you know, much more. Um, I, I do remember the Thursday that they had a, you know, a session. And at the end, uh, the campus minister, you know, asked, you know, like, you know, did one of those things, like, if you've never trusted in God before. This altar is, call. This is Get your altar, yeah, call. altar call. And I was this shy kid. I always sat in the back. And he said, you know, you can come to, you know, come to the altar and just give your life to Christ. I remember just like not even hesitating. It's like, yes, I want this so badly. Uh, I was the first one and I got up there and I got on my knees and just prayed. I didn't really know how to sing. I just remember like thinking what my mom did. 
Um, and like, I, I don't know if, if all of this is even true, but I, I, I do want it to be true. Uh, I want to live a life that, that is glorifying to God. I want the gospel to be real in my life. And then that week I, you know, told Alex and David, um, uh, my decision and, um, and, you know, they prayed with me and um, they got me plugged in to a small group and a church. And yes, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is such an amazing story. It's awesome. I mean, um, you know, it, it's the type of story that encourages all of us who are meeting people all the time and seeing people come to the church. It's like, this is what the investment that we, that we make, you know, spending time making phone calls, you know, just helping people move, you know, little, little things that we don't always see the fruit, uh, you know, immediately. And it's like, this is what you, you know, this is how God actually uses all these little pieces that have been adding up over the years. And it, it, that's awesome. Right. Um, so we, you know, we don't have a ton more time, Adrian, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about, you know, what's your life been like since? How, how have things changed in your life? I, I, I think, you know, going back to, you know, what happened after, you know, I, you know, became a Christian. Uh, I think one of the most profound things was, uh, you know, Alex and David, they didn't just, you know, kind of like, oh, they didn't just move on to the next person. Mm-hmm. You know, they discipled me all throughout college and they continue to spend time with me and other guys. And they invested in me heavily. They taught me how to read my Bible every day, how to pray, how to evangelize and other spiritual disciplines. And they also taught me that, you know, what the Bible teaches, what Paul impressed upon Timothy, that, you know, whatever you learn from me, whatever you heard from me, pass it on to faithful men, faithful men so that they can do, do it, do it too. So they challenged me, you know, to prayerfully look for other guys to invest in, to continue to share the gospel. So that's what I did. And, you know, and God definitely gave me the tools to do it. And they gave me the wisdom. Uh, so I, um, my junior year, I started leading Bible study and I was at um, the youth group, uh, not the youth, the college um, small group leader, uh, t- uh, team lead in our church. And just seeing that God gave me opportunities to really kind of step out of my comfort zone, knowing that it's not by my own power that I can do these things, but he showed me that I will come alongside of you and help you to grow the ministry that I gave you. Uh, and then that was an incredible thing. Uh, not only did it grow my confidence, not in myself, but knowing that God is faithful, that he will accomplish his will through me and he uses people. Uh, he, you know, it's, it's not just supernatural, but he uses faithful people to accomplish his will. And so I got to be experience that. Uh, so that was just really remarkable to just have guys who poured into me, but also having an opportunity to, you know, pour into other people. Um, and I think, you know, uh, you know, other, another thing was learn. I remember learning, you know, that being a Christian doesn't just uh, all your troubles just go away. I think that's a hard lesson to learn when you first become a Christian I think there's an expectation that, you know, things will become easier, but, you know, Jesus promised that we'll have tribulations. We will have suffering in this world, but we can take courage in him because he overcame the world. And I think my big first challenge was my, my mom, uh, her cancer came back and uh, we all knew this, this was her time. 
And this was shortly after I became a Christian. She even saw me get baptized. I remember she was super excited. Um, I think even one of the last conversations I had with her, she told me how thrilled she was that, you know, I was walking with the Lord and that she can finally go home in peace. Um, and God used that you know, moment. It was a profoundly sad moment in life to lose my mom. But at her funeral, uh, I just really felt like God wanted me to share the gospel and there is hope. And, you know, later on, I found out some of the people that she shared with, you know, her coworkers who were at the funeral, that they became Christians as a result of my mom's faithfulness. And, you know, uh, and, you know, I think a year before that, Mike passed away. And that was also really profound. I mean, just and kind of like going back to what you were saying, Chris, you know, that, you know, all these people that were in your life and they contributed, you know, however big or small in you understanding the gospel, I, I can see now that, you know, their work was not in vain. You know, what the Bible promised that God's word will not return void. You know, all of that, you know, what they did led to me becoming a Christian and also you know, these other people coming into faith in Christ. Um, I think, uh, you know, the second challenge for me, you know, after I became a Christian was this idea of dying to yourself. Um, when Christ, you know, said to pick up your cross daily. Uh, I still, uh, I remember that this happened my second year towards the end of my second year in college, you know, I was getting ready to apply to, you know, internships, summer internships. Um, and it's like, I just want to so bad. This is my goal. This is my plan. I want to stay on my plan. I just remember it was a period where God just you know, really impressed on me, this idea of giving up everything for his kingdom. And it terrified me a little bit. It's like, what, what, what does God require of me? What, what does he want with me? Yeah, the answer is everything. Um, I remember reading, uh, you know, Bonhoeffer, you know, my, you know, that year. He said, you know, the cross is not an end to otherwise God-fearing or happy life. But it meets at the beginning of your communion with God. And when he calls me, he bids me to come and die. And I, I, I realized, you know, I, I wasn't giving up my, you know, my life to God. There were still many things that were holding on to. That was a profound moment when I realized that I want to trust God with my life in every aspect of it, not just some things. Um, so it was around this time there was an opportunity that came up for me to go overseas for two months during the summer and share gospel with college students. So after a lot of praying and a lot of you know, you know, wise counsel from the people who disciple me, I decided to to do it, not because God said, you must do this to prove that you're a good Christian. Mm -hmm. But I think it was him telling me that I, I want you to trust me with your life. And, and here's an opportunity to do that. So that summer, you know, instead of going off and, you know, interning in a, in a hospital or, you know, a doctor's office, I spent two years in South, you know, two months in Southeast Asia. And it was a very seminal trip. You know, I think God really used that trip to give me this passion for, for missions. 
So, you know, long story short, I actually spent the next two summers, my end of my junior year and my senior year overseas. And then right after I came back, uh, God called immediately called me to go back to, uh, to China. Uh, so I spent a year in China doing missions uh, and working with college students with some of the people that I met here. Uh, it was really remarkable. David Wooster, the, one of the guys, you know, that I mentioned earlier, his younger brother was, you know, in that same city. So we, you know, we formed a friendship and we started doing ministry together. Um, and then after I came back, you know, God called me to witness the refugees. So, you know, I did refugee ministry for a couple of years. And that's where I met my wife, my wife, Jeannie. And, you know, all these years, all these trips, you know, I got to see God just do miraculous things. And, you know, saw brothers and sisters come to faith in Christ. And along the way, he helped me overcome some very, you know, deep, very hard personal challenges. I think, you know, I want to end this, you know, my story, you know, with this. Um, you know, Jeannie and I used to talk about this idea that God, you know, through Christ, you know, uh, allow us, allowed us to have victories over our sins and struggles. And I, that, that is so true. Like God didn't, Christ didn't die on the cross so that we continue to be, to, to, you know, to fall, to, to be enslaved by our sins and our struggles, but he wants us to have victories. And I, I see that, you know, me coming to Christ in all these years, he, he helped me have victory over some very, deep, you know, hard struggles, you know, that went back all the way back to my childhood. And I, I think one being this, I, you know, this feeling that I need to perform this, I need to achieve in order to have value or worth. Um, but knowing that my purpose here is just to glorify God. And he's given me talents. He's given me wisdom to do it. Um, and rather than wanting to please men, I want, I want to please God. So. Amen. Yeah. That's quite a story. That's, it's, it's really encouraging. I mean, from, you know, the mean streets of China to Oklahoma, you know, to here in DC, I mean, you've had, you know, God has really, has really worked in your life and that's such an encouragement to all of us. So, you know, I really, I really thank you for taking some time, Adrian, to share with that. I encourage everyone in the church to reach out to Adrian. I know he's got even more detail. You can share pretty, some pretty awesome stories. He didn't have time to go into tonight. So um, thank you again, Adrian. And thanks everyone for listening. We, we really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Fairfax Bible Church Discipleship Podcast. If this episode was helpful for you, feel free to subscribe, leave a review and share with someone else. Until next time, we pray you continue to grow as a disciple as you love Christ and live sent.